last week, um, we had continued on in chapter 3, and, uh, and if memory serves me correct, we got down to uh, verse 16, because we had talked about, uh, I think two weeks ago, we had talked about <clears throat> Eve and the serpent, as it's described in, <coughs> in the beginning part of chapter 3 here on the conversations that they had and the temptation uh, there for, for Eve to eat of the fruit and how that she had handed the fruit over to her husband and, had, and he had partaken of it as well and had gone through and we read of how that their eyes were opened, how that they saw themselves naked and had sewn together fig leaves and, uh, and hid from God when God had come around uh, in the cool of the day, as it says, <clears throat> and how that he had asked a, a question, once again, as we had made mention of last week, not that he didn't know the answer to it, but yet to, to help encourage uh, Adam and Eve to, to confess their, their sins in a way, and... Uh, but yet, as we, we continue to read on, we, we see that they, uh, rather than confessing to what they had done, they tried to blame it on everyone else but themselves. <coughs> and, uh, and we got down into 14 and 15 last week, <coughs> where we finished off at, where God had, uh, was, was, it says that, they, that he had cursed um, the the serpent, and I don't remember if I had made mention of it last week or not. But this isn't a cursing as in hexes or or magical spells in a sense uh, that we might see on television or in movies or what have you today. But it's more of the aspect of of how that God is is removing Himself from him, from them, <clears throat> and uh, so. We had this. We we see the the curse of, of that God had put on Satan ultimately, and uh, the defeat there as far as him uh, eating the dust. Uh, we talked about that a little bit last week as well. <coughs> How the, the dust uh, can represent uh, represent uh, defeat and humiliation. But then we get on into uh, chapter or not chapter, uh, verse sixteen of chapter three. But any thoughts are coming out? I've said you know a lot here, I'm trying to review a little bit of what we've talked about in the last couple of weeks over chapter three here. But any anything that anybody wanted to add or make comment on up until this point? All right, very good. Well, let's get on into verse sixteen. And here's where God is uh, addressing Eve uh, as far as the, the uh, punishment that, that she would go under and emphasizing the, the aspect that it's not just going to be for her but for uh, all women as well. <clears throat> and in verse 16 it says, To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and 
and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. (coughs) Now, because I've said a lot here, can somebody else help me uh, try to explain what what this verse might be pointing out. I mean, it, some of it's pretty obvious. I mean, first of all, what was the first thing that he had made mention of? What was going to happen within uh, childbearing, in a sense? Was it, I heard something. Pain. Pain within uh, childbearing. Now, I had uh, looked at that and... Uh, will greatly multiply your sorrow and your con- from your con- or in <clears throat> and I thought about that and I thought well <coughs> before this time which I had uh, heard in, in the past as well you know people questioning well before this was there going to be no sorrow or, or pain within childbearing uh, but one of the things that I had had uh, looked at was the fact that it had made mention of how that it will greatly multiply um, here in in the aspect that yes there was probably pain before but there now there's going to be even more. Uh, how that happens I don't know. You know we're not privileged to that information, but uh, just a thought there as far as the the pain that that will be in, inflicted there. What else does he hit, does he point out here? Wife would be subject in subjection to her husband. Absolutely, um, in the <clears throat> and that's exactly what um, I don't remember all the different ways that the the version different versions pointed out. Uh, but I, I want to say they were pretty consistent in saying desire that your desire shall be for your husband, um, and he shall rule over you, which. <clears throat> points out the aspect that Julie had made mention of there and how that she would, uh, how that's going to be the norm for that. Yes, Eliza. Contrary to your husband. Okay. Well, I didn't put the, the actual wording there that that, that word desire or contrary uh, comes from, but it ultimately it, it had made reference to, to uh, control or to rule over, uh, not in the sense that, obviously, that, that we have complete control over, or that men have contr- complete control over women. That's not, you know, wouldn't be accurate in saying that, but that was the, the thought process that was brought forth through the word there as far as um, uh, desire. Or, I'm sorry. You will desire to control your husband, but he shall rule over you. That's an interesting one. Yeah. All right. You're, you're seeing the start of how, uh, ultimately, how God sets up the family as far as uh, the man ruling over the woman. <coughs> um, any other thoughts or comments here? Okay. Well, I can go with that. Now, I... <coughs> We don't have proof of it or anything, but I, I believe that uh, even before Genesis three, that uh, that death, it, it, more so in the animal aspect, was uh, was there. Else, 
they wouldn't have really known the, the comprehension of, you know, don't eat of this fruit or you will surely die. Uh, the, the concept wouldn't have really been as prevalent. I mean, they might have had the, the knowledge of it, but as far as death of your children, yeah, I mean, I can see that. Death of uh, spiritually, I can see that as well. Did I see another hand over here? Roger, did you have your hand up for anybody? I, I thought I saw another one over here somewhere. Now, I can, I can see where you're, you're, you're going from there as far as how the Old Testament, and for those of you that might not have heard Julie, she had made the reference to how that in the Old Testament it seemed uh, to be more of a rulership as far as a, a husband and a wife goes, uh, where the husband's ruling over uh, the wife. But in the New Testament, Jesus kind of tempers it, as the, the word she uses there, in a leadership aspect of how that the husband is the leader over the home uh, versus the, the ruler over the home. And that sounds... Uh, Beverly and then Jeff. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, absolutely, it is... Uh, the 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 teachings there in the New Testament is definitely more of a leadership more than a dictatorship uh, to where, I mean, it, it goes against uh, many teachings that we have here as far as the, the husband to dictate to the wife, well, this is what you're going to do, you know, because we are all free-willed creatures and, and have the ability to, to do different things. Jeff, do you hit? Absolutely, and it, and it should humble us, uh, especially as men, that we are the ultimate leaders and responsibility of our families. Yes, Karen? <laughs> and, and that's kind of the aspect that we, or the, the concept that we get in the next verse when, when we're told, <clears throat> where God's speaking to Adam, says, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten of the fruit which I've commanded you, saying you shall not eat. Um, you know, basically saying you were here first. You knew what was right and what was wrong. But yet you heeded the voice of your wife, which you shouldn't have, um, which we had spent some time, I believe it was last week, talking about the, the thought of how uh, Adam would have been standing right there with her and hearing these things <clears throat> and yet not speaking up and, and taking that leadership role and saying, no, we shouldn't do this. Put it down. Stop. Uh, which is, um, well, I'll get into that in just a second. Was there any other comment? Yes, Beverly? Absolutely. And to, to back up what you were referencing there as far as the beginning part, when you were talking about how that we should always be careful on how we speak, that's um, James chapter 3, if I'm not mistaken, points that out very clearly as far as how that we should be very careful with our tongue because, um, and it makes reference to a few different analogies there as far as the bit in the horse's mouth, how that you, know, with such a small thing, uh, can control the horse uh, the rudder of a ship, how that with a small rudder you can control the direction of the of a, of a huge vessel, um, and, and referencing those things to the, the the tongue itself, and how that you know, it's such a small member of our body, and how that we need to be able to be sure to control that. 
no matter if we're speaking to our spouse or speaking to a non-believer or even a brother in Christ. Yes. Well, let us uh, keep going on here. And like I was making mention of in chapter or, or chapter three and verse seventeen, we we kind of get the sense of of God uh, being disappointed in Adam in the fact that he didn't think about <coughs> uh, didn't think about and didn't. Uh, um, stop his wife from eating the fruit and not to mention the fact that he just heeded his wife's voice um, in, in partaking of the fruit. And so then we have the his punishment as well uh, within the next uh, couple of verses here where it says, Cursed is the ground for your sake, and toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat... The, the herb of your field, in the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you are taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Um, there's a lot of things being said here. First, first of all, you know, I wanted to, to point out and remind us that he says that Cursed is the ground, and, and, and in the tool you know, that you'll basically work hard in the ground, and, and it will be harder basically for him to, to grow the produce of the ground. And I wanted to remind us back in, in uh, Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15, where we uh, were told that Adam was to work and, and till the garden, if I'm not mistaken, that's the way it's worded. Tend the garden. Uh, then the Lord God took man, took the man, and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. So <clears throat> we already knew that he was to work, uh, and this work <coughs> was to glorify uh, God. But now we find that it's not going to be as easy as he he tries to grow the crops. It says that thorns and thistles. Uh, will will come up from from there. So basically, he's going to be having a lot of of weeds and things. He's not wanting to grow growing up with the the, the crop or the produce of the land, um, and making it harder for him. Uh, any thoughts or comments on that aspect? Uh, but he he goes on in the latter part of this. He he talks about. Uh, how that you're going to do this until you return to the ground, basically referencing the death um, that is going to be partaking or that's going to be happening here. We're going to find out why in just a minute, but um, but the death here, uh, it, because out of it, you know, until you return to the ground, because basically you are part of the ground and you'll return back to that state at some form. Uh, eventually in time, uh, referencing our, our bodies, not our spiritual life, obviously, but our bodies were made from the dust of the ground, which it, it, it kind of gives us two different thoughts on this. For one, uh, we can look at it and say, well, we are nothing but you know the dust of the ground as far as our, our bodies go, but at the same time, it shows us that 
we're nothing but dust of the ground that God created us. He created us out of the dust of the ground. How wonderful and powerful is our God. Jeff? Absolutely. And in in case you didn't hear Jeff, he was referencing how that uh, the thorns and thistles are also, uh, how that it, it could be the tilling of the ground, but also just the, the, the life struggles, in a sense, as, as uh, the Apostle Paul writes, you know, the, the thorn in his flesh, uh, referencing a physical ailment, in a sense, that he was dealing with in, in his life. Um, but very, very good comment. Thank you, Jeff. Um, any other thoughts or comments before we leave these uh, uh, punishments that we have here that, that God puts forth? I find it interesting that in verse 20, right after the punishments uh, basically come out, we have uh, where it says, Adam, and Adam called his, called his wife's name Eve uh, because she was the mother of all living what kind of importance does this show us? There's, there's one major thing that, I, that, that comes about this when we sit down we think about this aspect of, of Eve being the, the mother of all that is living. Okay? Well, in a sense, I mean, the, the, the thought I was, I was thinking of here is the, the aspect that she is the mother of all that is living, so, she, so everyone came from that first set of parents. Um, also emphasizing the aspect that just because God might have created a dozen cattle at one time didn't mean that he created a dozen humans at one time. He created Adam and then formed Eve out of his side. That all humans came from Adam and Eve. So once again, pulling this aspect back in, showing that there wasn't multiple sets of parents out here, but, there, but yet there was only two, uh, Adam and Eve, and that everyone came from that, from them. Um, absolutely, he's pointing out the, the importance of woman because uh, <coughs> up in verse 15 where he says... Um, in verse 15, uh, God says, I will put enmity in between you and the woman. This is referencing the serpent or Satan in a sense. Um, between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, uh, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Uh, ultimately referencing uh, the Christ uh, coming here, but out of her seed, uh, which also ties into verse 20 here in, in the fact that there was an importance in woman because that's where we have children come from. But any other thoughts or comments here? Very good. Then in verse 21, we have God making clothing for, uh, for Adam and Eve where it says, also for Adam and his wife... The Lord God made tunics. Uh, there was a, what was the other? Garments. Uh, some translations say garments here rather than tunics. But tunics of skin and clothed them. 
Uh, now, tunics of skin, what is this reference then? If he, if he made for them tunics of skin, what kind of skin was he using? Animal skins. So in order for, for you to make a tunic of skin, what must the animal do? Must die. So here we have God ultimately making a, a sacrifice to animals or from, from an animal so that he can clothe Adam and Eve, uh, which is pretty big when you look at it in the aspect on how that here in the very next chapter we're going to find um, Cain and Abel also offering sacrifices as well. But we don't read of that until after this point. I was reading a commentary, and they said that in this is just all fault, you know, don't know this for sure, don't have any scriptural to back this up, but it was at this point that uh, animal sacrifices went into effect, but once again, we don't know because we don't know how um, Cain and Abel knew that they needed to sacrifice to God uh, and how, that, and whether or not, and what was acceptable or not. As far as the, the, the clothing go, I did find it interesting when I was reading a, uh, something out of a, of a commentary as well, had it made reference to how that he possibly made two different types of clothing, in a sense, as far as one for the woman, specifically for the woman, and one specifically for the man. Um, and also, this was, and I, and I meant to bring this up before, but the fig leaves that... <coughs> that Adam and Eve had sewn together as coverings uh, back in verse 7 were nothing more than uh, possibly what we might consider as undergarments in this day. Uh, to where the word here from as far as tunics or garments, anyhow, the word for tunics or garments here references something that would come down to the knees, possibly even down to the ankles as well. Uh, but the, the thought here as far as whether or not he might have made two different types of clothing, one for the woman, one for the man, uh, comes from, you know, because in Deuteronomy chapter 22 and verse 5, where we find the command saying, a woman shall not wear anything that pertains to a man, or a man uh, put on a woman's garment, for all who do so are an abomination to the Lord your God. Uh, makes you think, well, apparently there might have been difference in clothing here in the way that he clothed Eve versus Adam, showing that there was a difference uh, even in the clothing aspect. Well, we're really out of time. Honestly, we'll, we'll hit the very last couple of verses next week and then get on into chapter 4, uh, which it, it's good, though, and I appreciate, like I said at the beginning, all the comments and attention uh, that you guys have made. Thank you very much.